in the Superstation WFDF. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotel. It is Sunday, December 15th, 2019, and we are live. We have a lot of information to talk about tonight. We saw this was an explosive weekend in the uh, impeachment inquiry into one Donald John Trump, who I told you back in January of 2017, back on this show, I told you Donald John Trump should be impeached, and I predicted that he would be impeached. We saw this past week that articles of impeachment in the House Judiciary Committee were voted on in a margin of 23 to 17 down party lines. We saw that two articles of impeachment were voted on against Donald Trump. We'll talk about that on tonight's show. We also saw black girl magic all over the place uh, this past week. We saw uh, last Sunday, actually, uh, I saw a little bit of it here in the studio while I was on the air. It did not get a chance to comment on it. We saw at the Miss Universe pageant, we saw Miss South Africa, Zosa Benny Tunzi uh, was crowned Miss Universe. And then also we saw in the last couple of days, uh, we saw Miss Jamaica was crowned Miss World. So now you have Miss Universe, Miss World, Miss USA, Miss America, and Miss Teen USA, all women of African descent. We're gonna talk about that. And we see that Zosa Benny Tunzi promotes natural beauty, dark skin, and natural hair. Okay, so uh, and we have a, have a uh, I saw a interview with her on Good Morning America. Uh, also, Insider.com has a really, really good interview uh, with her as well. Um, on Thursday, Senator Mitch McConnell, Moscow Mitch McConnell of Kentucky, was interviewed by Sean Hannity on Fox News, which is state TV, and Senator Mitch McConnell bragged about blocking President Obama's nominations. Uh, for the federal bench, for federal judges, for two years. Then he laughed about it. He bragged about it, then laughed about it. Now, you know, I've been talking about that for months here on this show, talking about the federal bench, talking about how, uh, as of uh, within the last couple of weeks, uh, Donald Trump has got, gotten 170 federal judges confirmed to the federal bench. The American Bar Association has come out against many of these uh, judges and said they, that, that they are totally unqualified to be federal judges. And what we see is that Donald Trump has nominated uh, and gotten confirmed actually one-fifth of the federal judges in this country. And, th and these are lifetime appointments, all right? So we'll talk some about that. Uh, as well. And we also saw that uh, Senator Moscow Mitch McConnell of Kentucky also said that he's working in lock, lockstep with the White House, with the White House counsel, with Donald Trump's attorneys, okay, on the uh, Senate trial of the impeachment of Donald Trump, all right, to basically help Trump uh, so this thing will go the way Trump wants it to go. Okay, a lot of people are saying that Mitch McConnell should recuse himself, Representative Val Demings in uh, uh, the House of Representatives from uh, a Democrat from Florida is calling for Mitch McConnell to recuse himself. Other Democrats are coming out as well. We know on the Sunday shows this was talked about um, a lot today. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, last week, I did not get a chance to deal with the story of uh, R. Kelly. New York Times is a big article dealing with R. Kelly charged with bribing a government employee so Aaliyah could obtain a fake ID so he could uh, marry her back in 1994. Now, as I said before, everybody knew Aaliyah was underage. People in Detroit knew Aaliyah was underage because Aaliyah was from Detroit. And R. Kelly knew Aaliyah was underage because uh, when his attorney, uh, Stephen Greenberg, was interviewed a few months ago on ABC News Nightline by Lindsey Davis, 
um, Stephen Greenberg said that R. Kelly told him that Aaliyah lied to R. Kelly about her age, okay, when they got married, all right? But a couple days after that, the Root.com had an article about this. Other entities had articles about this. A video surfaced from YouTube of years ago when R. Kelly was in the studio with Aaliyah working on her first album, which he produced. And in the video, he's introducing Aaliyah, and he says Aaliyah was 14 years old at the time. So he knew she was underage. If you watch Surviving R. Kelly and Surviving R. Kelly, key people who worked with R. Kelly talked about how documents were forged so she could marry R. Kelly. Okay, so all this information is coming out. Um, then in the last couple of weeks, there was a, a study that came out that talked about how hair straighteners and dyes are linked to higher cancer risks. Hair straighteners and dyes are linked to uh, a higher cancer risk, especially for African-American women. All right, uh, uh, hair straighteners and permanent hair dyes. Now, I did about an hour, 15-minute uh, broadcast dealing with this. Uh, you can watch that on our YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotep, I-M-H-O-T-E-P. Also on uh, my Facebook fan page, The African History Network, The African History Network on Facebook. And so we'll talk a little bit about uh, that uh, tonight. I went deep into it. And this deals with what are called endocrine disruptors, endocrine disruptors. And these are chemicals that disrupt the uh, endocrine system, which regulates your uh, organs that produce uh, hormones, pituitary gland, uh, over, uh, your testicles, ovaries, uh, adrenal gland, things like this. And it throws off your hormonal balance, okay? And it can cause all types of problems um, in, in, in the state of Washington. Uh, there have been the U.S. Geological Survey for a number of years have been watching small bass fish, male small bass, uh, sm uh, uh, smallmouth bass fish in the Potomac River and other rivers. They're finding more and more of these male small bass, uh, uh, male smallmouth bass fish that have female eggs. Washington Post has articles about this, National Geographic. I've seen uh, articles about this going back to about 2003-2004. The U.S. Geological Survey has been monitoring this, and they see more and more each year, okay? And they surmise this is tied to chemicals that are, uh, that end up in the river supply that are flushed down the drain, flushed down toilets, coming from medications, all different types of things that we have that have chemicals in it that are known as endocrine disruptors, okay? So we'll talk some about that. Then, um, I have, have not been able to get to this article, uh, this topic either. A new study finds everyone alive today descended from an African woman who lived in Botswana about 200,000 years ago. All right? So we'll talk some about that. That deals with the Khoisan. And the Khoisan come from southern Africa. They have the oldest DNA on the planet. And in this article, businessinsider.com has an article. All the news outlets carried uh, an article about this study, about what was found, about this archaeological discovery. And uh, so New York Times, Washington Post, etc. But they talk about the Khoisan, who have the oldest DNA on the planet. And they come from southern Africa, and they go all around the world. They're the ancestors to the Inu and the Twa. They, come, they go all around the world. And they were here uh, in this country also that we call uh, the United States of America. All right. So we'll talk about that. And then the African-American unemployment rate 
you know, Donald Trump loves to talk about how, how low the African-American unemployment rate is, right? What he doesn't want to talk about is how low wages are, all right? And we see that uh, about 44% of Americans, uh, almost half of all jobs Americans have, are low-wage jobs. And I find it very interesting Donald Trump does not want to talk about any of this, okay? So we'll deal with all that and a lot more tonight on uh, the African History Network show. All right, now, on the African History Network show, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world because right now it's corrects your own behavior. What you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, and what you allow other people to do to you and get away with is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you've been taught about yourself. What you've been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard, and seen about yourself. So when you control the radius of a man's thoughts, you can control the circumference of his actions because the mind can't do or teach what it doesn't know. Now, we deal with a number of different topics here on the show. We deal with current events, history, politics, education, economic empowerment, entrepreneurship, relationships, love, sex, health issues, and much, much more. Sign up for our email newsletter. Text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, to 22828. To sign up for our email newsletter, text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, to 22828. To sign up for our email newsletter. Also, go to our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, right on the homepage. You can um, sign up for the email newsletter there as well. Also, if you'd like this type of information, you can donate to the African History Network, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show, okay? Or at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, click on the yellow donate button. Uh, I want to let you know I'll be speaking at the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History. Uh, for Kwanzaa, second day of Kwanzaa, Kuji Chagalia. That is uh, Saturday, December 27th. Uh, the program is, uh, the, whole, the whole thing is 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. program is 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. There'll be an African marketplace. I'll be a vendor all seven days at the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History. The Malcolm X Grassroots Movement, Brother Bomani, Sister Shoshana, and others, they're organizing the second day of Kwanzaa. So I'll be uh, 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 speaking there, so you don't want to miss that. Uh, visit the uh, theright.org, W-R-I-G-H-T, theright.org, uh, for more information. And we'll also have that flyer at our website, africanhistorynetwork.com. And then on Sunday, December 29th, 3 p.m. to 7 p.m., I'll be over at St. Francis Missionary Baptist Church, located at 7021 West Warren Avenue in Detroit. I'll be speaking there as well. Uh, that is uh, the fourth day of Kwanzaa Ujima Cooperative uh, Economics. Cooperative Economics. We'll get that flyer up at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Also, uh, both of these are free and open to the public. Bring the family. I'll uh, have a vendor table at, at both locations, so I have my DVDs with me also. Okay. All right. Uh, let's jump into this, and uh, we're going to go to clip number one in just a minute. Uh, uh, Trump explodes on on Democrats. Uh, as House Judiciary recommends impeachment. We'll go to that clip in just a minute here. 30 but, seconds. Uh, what did you say? Oh, just the ad. Okay. Yeah. All right. So uh, we saw that things were explosive this past week in the House Judiciary Committee. Now, this past Thursday, the um, this past Thursday, the we saw that the uh, House Judiciary Committee met for 14 hours, and it went up until about midnight, Okay. I watched probably 11 or 12 hours of the proceedings, of the hearing, okay? 
and uh, you saw the, the uh, you saw me posting on Facebook dealing with this as well, and I followed it pretty much every step of the way. But the House Judiciary Committee approved two articles of impeachment against one Donald John Trump on Friday, December 13th. So December 13th, Friday the 13th, was a very unlucky day for Donald Trump. You know, people fear Friday the 13th. The fear of Friday the 13th is called, is called Friga Triscadecophobia. Okay, Frigga referring to Freya, Freya, Frigga, who was the wife of Odin. Because when you study the origins of the days of the... See, this is why I can't get all this stuff into one show. All right, this, see, this, this is exactly why, okay? Because one thing leads to another, all right? So when, when you study the origins of the days of the week, they tie into Scandinavian mythology. Thursday was called Thor's Day, named after Thor, the god of thunder, who's really a copy of Sean Gold, who comes from the Orisha, which is the spiritual system of the Ifa of, Yoruba, of uh, Nigeria, okay? The Yoruba of Nigeria, the spiritual system is called Ifa. Uh, Wednesday was called Wooden's Day or Odin's Day, named after Odin, the king of the gods, who was the father of Thor and the father of Loki in Scandinavian mythology. Friday is named after Freya, Freya, Frigga, who was the wife of Odin. So Friday is named after her. Saturday was named after Saturn, the uh, the uh, deity, the the uh, god deity Saturn. Okay, so Saturday is named after Saturn. But Frigga Triskaidekaphobia is the fear of Friday the thirteenth. Triskaidekaphobia is the unfounded fear of the number thirteen. So the a part part of the mythology or the legend of the fear of Friday the 13th ties into the fear of the number 13, which also partly ties into October 13, 1307, which was a Friday, when the Knights Templar in France were rounded up. And they're going to eventually, they're going to be rounded up, tortured, they're eventually going to be disbanded, okay, the Knights Templar. And we know the Knights Templar were formed in 1118 A.D. during the Second Crusade. And they were taught the teachings from the Africans known as the Moors that go into Europe in 711 A.D. and take the teachings from ancient Kemet, ancient Egypt, and the Nile Valley region of Africa into Europe. And those teachings are going to go underground when the Knights Templar disbanded, resurface as the Scottish Rites of the Freemasons. York, Yorkshire rights of the Freemasons, Rosicrucians, things like this, these what we call secret societies, or as Tony Browder calls them, societies with secrets. And then they're going to come here to this land with the quote-unquote founding fathers, because we know 50 of the 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence were Freemasons. So, what, what, so, so a lot of people fear Friday the 13th. Part of that also has to do with uh, the Last Supper and the, there being 12 people plus Yeshua or who the English have called Jesus because the letter J didn't exist in 1630 AD, which comes from the letter I. Read chapter 9 of the historical origin of Christianity, Christianity by Dr. Walter Williams. Okay? So, but for Donald Trump, Friday the 13th was a very unlucky day. We'll continue this on the other side of the break. You listen to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation of Future Radio. I'm Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Yeah. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation of Future Radio. Hey, I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotel. It is Sunday, December 15th, 2019, and uh, we are live tonight. Uh, in the first hour, we're going to talk about the uh, impeachment inquiry and Donald Trump and the vote on the articles of impeachment. Okay, we saw that go down uh, this past Thursday and Friday uh, in the House Judiciary Committee. We saw that uh, on Thursday, it was uh, a marathon session, lasted 14 hours, went into um, 
until about midnight, okay? And then I was watching coverage on MSNBC even after uh, it ended. The vote was supposed to take place uh, on Thursday at the end of the hearing, and Representative Jerry Nadler, who's the chair of the House Judiciary Committee, uh, decided that since they had gone so long that day, and, it, and since, since it went into the night, that he did not want to take the vote, a serious vote like that, on articles of impeachment. He did not want to take that vote under cover of night. He wanted to do it in the daytime because if they did it at night, then Republicans were, would, would, would uh, scream that Democrats are trying to do this in the dead of night and get away with it. So he wanted to do it uh, in the daytime. He wanted to do it in the morning. All right? And that's exactly what happened. Okay, so um, the... Uh, the vote was uh, was along party lines, 23 to 17, and the, this was uh, officially laying out charges of abuse of power and obstruction of Congress, abuse of power and obstruction of Congress, and a historic step toward removing Donald Trump from office. All right, so um, on Friday, December 13th, Donald Trump became only the fourth president in U.S. history to face impeachment for high crimes and misdemeanors, high crimes and misdemeanors based upon Article 2, Section 4 of the U.S. Constitution, which Donald Trump hasn't read, and unfortunately most Americans haven't either, it sounds like. Now, the committee took just 10 minutes to approve both articles of impeachment following a 14-hour session, uh, session on Thursday, teeing up a history-making floor vote that's going to take place Wednesday of this coming week. Um, it, 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 as we understand, and a Senate trial to take place in January to determine Donald Trump's fate. So many people are saying that, uh, well, we've seen uh, what's coming from the Senate, from uh, Senator Mitch McConnell of Kentucky, who's actually up for re-election in 2020, that he needs to be voted out of office, as well as spineless Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina, who is just up two points uh, in the latest poll against his Democratic challenger, and Lindsey Graham needs to be voted out of office as well. I think his spine is buried in uh, Senator John McCain's casket. When Senator John McCain died, uh, so did uh, Lindsey Graham's courage. Okay, so uh, for just the fourth time in a little over 150 years, the House Judiciary Committee backed presidential impeachment approving articles against Donald Trump for quote, abuse of power and obstruction of justice, end quote, said committee chairman Gerald Natler, Democrat from New York. He said this in, in, a, uh, in brief remarks after the vote. He said, quote, the House will act expeditiously, end quote. Now, the first impeachment article alleges that Donald John Trump abused his power by withholding military aid and a critical White House meeting from Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky while pressuring him to launch political investigations targeting former Vice President Joe Biden and his son Hunter Biden. Donald Trump's blanket refusal to cooperate with the Democratic investigation is the basis of the obstruction of Congress impeachment article. Okay, because uh, he was blocking key people from testifying, uh, um, acting Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney, uh, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, etc. All right, so if they had a sculptory evidence, if they had evidence that would clear Donald Trump, don't you think Donald Trump would encourage them to testify? Don't you think he would say, I want them to testify? 
but he's trying to block. He didn't provide any documents, documents that were subpoenaed. He didn't provide any documents. Every step of the way, Donald Trump is stonewalled. You have to ask the question, why? If you're innocent, why wouldn't you want people to come forward who could prove your innocence? So Trump expressing confidence that the Senate would acquit him uh, dismissed the vote on Friday as, quote-unquote, an embarrassment to this country. Well, Donald Trump is a national embarrassment, okay? It's interesting how Donald Trump says that this is an embarrassment to this country when Donald Trump is an embarrassment to this country, all right? So Representative Jerry Nadler and other Democrats said it was a, quote-unquote, solemn and sad moment as they cast votes aimed at ousting a president from office. Now, you had during the hearings, you had people like uh, Representative Jim Jordan, who needs to be voted out of office from Ohio, okay, Representative Jim Jordan. He's easy to spot because he, he looks like he buys his clothes at the boys section of Kmart, right, because he doesn't wear a jacket. All the other men in the House of Representatives wear suit coats. He doesn't wear one, right? So he said that Democrats are trying to overturn uh, and, uh, the will of the people in an election because they voted for Donald Trump, okay? Well, let's look at this. Um, I'm not sure if he can count. Maybe he should count the number of boys who said that he ignored them coming to him telling him that they were being molested, right, by the coach there at Ohio State University. Maybe he should, maybe he should count that. Maybe, maybe he's bad at math, okay? I don't know. But um, 66 million people voted for Hillary Clinton. 2.9 million, almost 3 million more people voted for Hillary Clinton to be president than Donald Trump. So how could you say it's the will of the people? Yes, 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 the Electoral College, yes, Trump won an Electoral College, but people voted, when they went to the ballot box and voted for who they wanted for president, 3 million more people voted for Hillary Clinton. So how could you say it's the will of the people? He just skipped over that fact. When you go back and watch that segment, he just totally ignored all that. He just totally ignored that fact, uh, you know. So what's interesting in watching the, these Republicans, because I watched about 11 to 12 hours of this, right, what's interesting in watching this is that they wanted to focus more on the process or focus on uh, allegedly uh, uh, Hunter Biden using uh, crack or things like this, using drugs. That was Representative uh, Matt Gates from Florida. Now, Matt Gates got busted for a DUI. He has a mugshot. So after he made those statements and Representative Hayden Johnson had to check him, had to chin check him, then articles started coming out circulating Matt Gates' mugshot, okay, from back when he was in law school and he got busted drunk driving. The, the charges were dismissed, but, dude, you got a mugshot out there. You should be careful about who you, you know, you want to talk about substance abuse. Now, you should be really careful about that, okay? So... Uh, all this took place. This was like between Thursday and Friday. All right. So, uh, in a, but so Jerry Nadler and other Democrats said it was a solemn day, uh, a solemn and sad moment as they cast votes aimed at ousting uh, Donald Trump from office. But the sense of sobriety quickly gave way to flashes of anger as Democrats lashed out against the man who holds immense sway over how a Senate trial might proceed, Senator Moscow Mitch McConnell, okay? And he needs to be voted out of office also in Kentucky. So African-Americans in Kentucky have to organize and organize with other people that don't look like you to get this idiot out of office because he's doing harm to all these people, all right? So in a, a late Thursday interview with Fox News, 
Hoshan Hannity, and we we got clip. We we have the clip of Mitch McConnell. We got the clip of Mitch McConnell. I'm gonna go to that clip next. I'm gonna go to that clip first. Okay. Okay. So just cue that up. Okay. Um, and it's in the in that clip in that article. You actually see him. I think it's like the. Uh, I think it's like the second video in that actual article about Mitch McConnell. I only have two clips from you. Okay. Uh, we'll come to that next. Let's see. What is that? I have uh, Clinton the Trump. Oh, okay. Okay. We'll, we'll come to that uh, uh, after the break then. I have to send that to you. Okay. So, um, Senator Mitch McConnell all but guaranteed the Trump acquittal, saying there was, quote-unquote, zero chance the president would be removed from office. Zero chance the president would be removed from office. He promised total coordination with the White House and Trump's defense team. Okay? But, see, here's the thing. Mitch McConnell is like the jury foreman. So, yes, in, yes, the, see, in, in, the, in the Senate trial, the jurors are the U.S. senators. Okay? In the Senate trial, the jurors are the U.S. senators. The, 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 um, Chief Justice of the U.S. Supreme Court will be the presi presiding judge over the Senate trial in an impeachment trial. So that's Chief, uh, uh, Chief Justice Roberts. Mitch McConnell is like the foreman. Mitch McConnell is, is already telling the outcome of the trial before the trial even takes place. So Mitch McConnell is showing that he's not impartial, really don't want to hear the evidence. Senator Lindsey Graham is even worse than that. Okay, now let's go to uh, we got clip two, right? Uh, uh, Lindsey Graham. Yeah, give me a minute. Okay, uh, I want you to hear what Lindsey Graham said back in 1998 when Lindsey Graham was in the House of Representatives, and the Republicans in the House of Representatives were uh, impeaching Bill Clinton. Okay, because this is the same guy. They sound like two different people. We're going to go to that clip here in just a minute. All right. So, uh, Senator, uh, 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 Senator Mitch McConnell of Kentucky said, "Quote: The case is so darn weak coming over, uh, coming over from the House. We all know how it's going to end." So those remarks and Mitch McConnell's pledge to quote take my cues from the president's lawyers end quote infuriated House Democrats as it should. After deciding to back articles of impeachment that would force a trial in the U.S. Senate, many people said that the upper chamber, which is the U.S. Senate, appeared to be rigged in the president's favor. Quote, I was very disappointed in Senator Mitch McConnell's remarks, and I really think he should recuse himself from this impeachment inquiry, said Representative Val Demings, Democrat from Florida, who is also a member of the House Judiciary Committee. She said, quote, he's working hand in hand with the White House, the president's attorney, and yet we are supposed to expect him to manage a fair and impartial impeachment inquiry. I think he should recuse himself. It's, it's like the trial of Emmett Till in Money, Mississippi, when everybody knew that Roy uh, 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 J.W. Millam and Roy Bryant killed Emmett Till. Everybody on the, on the jury, everybody in the courtroom, the black people and the white people knew that these men killed Emmett Till. And then they were acquitted in about 45 minutes by an all-white jury. Okay? So, let's go to this clip here. Uh, this is from, uh, this, I think this is from The Last Word, uh, Lawrence O'Donnell. This is, uh, this is, no, this is from Hardball, Chris Matthews, Hardball, MSNBC. I want you to hear what so, Lindsey Graham said back in, uh, this is about this is 1998 when they were trying to impeach Bill Clinton. Let's go to this clip. 
Graham of South Carolina who tried to house his case against Bill Clinton back in 1998. He called today's historic vote in the House to, on the impeachment uh, articles, quote, a sad, ridiculous sham in the United States House of Representatives. This needs to come to a quick end. When 1998, as a congressman from South Carolina, he had a very different point of view. Please give us a chance, American people, to document what the president did, actually did. I know what people want to do with this case. I know they want to get it over. I know many of them don't want the president to be impeached. But I've got a duty far greater than just getting to the next election. Some House members have said, I will not vote for an impeachment. Let me tell you, please don't say that until you understand what you're voting on. Members of the Senate have said, I understand everything there is about this case, and I won't vote to impeach the president. Please allow the facts to do the talking. Don't decide the case before the case is in. What do you make of this guy right now? Uh, very little. I think Lindsey has uh, he's been a master of the fake. Uh, he was going to do this, and he was going to do that. Uh, and they never does. He comes out on the on, on the right wing side uh, every time. I have proposed. Uh, I've asked the Kennedy Library people whether they have a procedure for rescinding a profile and courage award. Apparently, they don't. But but what you have? And let me just say again. I, let, let's be clear what's going on here. Yes, you can say there's a duty to ignore politics, but uh, there is one ineradicable fact here. If you want a question to be decided wholly without political influence, don't ask 535 politicians to make it. Thank you so much, Barney Frank, and thank you, Ruth Marcus. Your name of your book is Supreme Ambition. It's all about where Brett Kavanaugh came from. Okay. The House inches closer to impeaching okay. Okay. President Trump stop, next week. Stop. All right. Okay, so that was from uh, Hardball with Chris Matthews. That was from, uh, I think that was Friday, December, th Friday the 13th. Uh, check out that clip from Hardball with Chris Matthews. From Clinton to Trump, watch Lindsey Graham change his opinion on impeachment. This is the same Lindsey Graham. Now, he looked like a little kid there, there back in 98 when they were trying to impeach Bill Clinton. But he said, hear all the facts. Don't prejudge this, things like this. Lindsey Graham is telling you. He, he said he doesn't have to hear any witnesses. Now he's saying he doesn't have to hear any witnesses, any of that. He's already come up with the decision. Okay? Now... What I find very interesting, I said this last week on Sunday show. So last Sunday show we have on YouTube and Facebook, okay? Go to Michael M. Hotep, I-M-H-O-T-E-P, on uh, my YouTube channel in the African History Network on Facebook, all right? So uh, NBC News has an article uh, from today and also the Hill.com and some other sources probably have this as well, okay? And I was trying to find this clip. Maybe I'll be able to find the clip during the show. Representative Adam Schiff, who's the chair of the House Intelligence Committee, he, in an interview uh, on this week uh, on ABC, he said, I hope to hell I'd impeach Obama if he did the same as Trump. Okay, now, Representative Adam Schiff is a former prosecutor. He's a Democrat, okay? He's, he's pretty even keel, pretty straight shooter. He said, he said, if Obama, if President Obama had done what the current president is accused of doing, uh, he said, quote, then every one of these Republicans will be voting to impeach him, end quote. This is the same thing I said last week. This is Representative Adam Schiff saying this. You can't find a Republican, you can't find a Republican, black or white, who would not, if, if President Obama did the same thing as Trump is accused of doing, you can't find one that said, oh, that's acceptable, 
uh, we wouldn't impeach President Obama. They, they, because many of them wanted to impeach President Obama almost for wearing a tan suit. House Intelligence Committee Chairman Adam Schiff said Sunday that if Barack Obama had committed the same alleged offenses in the White House as Donald Trump is accused of doing in the articles of impeachment against him, Schiff would uh, support impeaching President Obama. Okay? And I would support impeaching President Obama. If he did the same thing, he should be impeached also. And remove from office. If he did the same thing as Donald Trump did. But we know he wouldn't be able to get that far. Okay? So, in an interview with George Stephanopoulos on ABC's This Week, Adam Schiff lamented the staunch support for Trump among congressional Republicans in the face of the impeachment investigation. He said, quote, what has really changed between now and Watergate uh, isn't the nature of the president's conduct. If anything, the president's conduct is far worse than anything Nixon did, far more sweeping in its obstruction of accountability, far more damaging to our national security than the cover-up that was Watergate. The question is, why are Republicans placing this president above their oath of office? Why are Republicans placing this president over their oath of office? He said, I don't think any of us has any question that have Barack Obama engaged in the activity, the conduct which the subject, which is the subject of these articles of impeachment. Every one of these Republicans would be voting to impeach, impeach him. He went on to say, quote, and you know something, I have to hope to hell uh, if it were Barack Obama, I would vote to impeach him, end quote. So check out this article from... Uh, NBCnews.com. Schiff, I hope to hell I'd impeach Obama if he did the same thing. Okay? So all you have to do is change the names around. All you have to do is change the names around. And, uh, see, we have to have one standard. We can't have one set of standards when it's a Democrat, one set of standards when it's a Republican. No, we have to have one set of standards. Wrong is wrong. Okay? Now, let's go to this article here from ABCnews.com. The eight times Trump urged Ukraine's leader to help with the investigations. Then I'm going to go through the articles of impeachment because I have the articles of impeachment here. I brought them with me them somewhere. Yeah, here we go. House resolution right here. I got the articles of impeachment because I read through the articles of impeachment yesterday. All right, so the eight times Trump urged Ukraine's leader to help with investigations. I want you to read this article from abcnews.com, abcnews.go.com. I talked about this before. This came out, um, it was around... Uh, Two or three weeks ago, something like that. I don't, I don't remember. But um, a news report said Trump made eight asks, and the transcript confirms them. Okay? And what they do is, d during that July 25th, 2019 call that Donald Trump made, to, uh, uh, made with uh, uh, Vladimir Zelensky, okay? Um, the Wall Street Journal first reported on this, that Donald Trump... Uh, asked eight times in the call, put pressure on Zelensky eight times in the call to launch an investigation. So here we have at page three, top of top paragraph in the memo of the call, and I got the memo of the call right here. It's not a transcript. It's a it's a summary of the call because when you read it, when you read it, it tells you right there that it's not a transcript. So people saying it's a transcript. And I hear, I hear both Democrats and Republicans saying it's not a transcript, people. It, say, it says right here. So I got this from NBCnews.com. I downloaded it. It tells you at the bottom, caution, 
a memorandum of a telephone conversation is not a verbatim transcript of a discussion. It tells you that right here at the bottom. It's a memo. It's not a transcript. So when I saw dumbass uh, Donald Trump supporters at one of his rallies standing behind him with a t-shirt that said, read the transcript. And down at the bottom of this, it tells you it's not a transcript. Then I have to ask the question, what are you smoking? It makes no sense. But anyway, when we look at this, page three, top paragraph, quote, I would like you to do us a favor, though, because our country has been through a lot and Ukraine knows a lot about it, end quote. Now, keep in mind, this was July 25th. This was the day after Robert Mueller testified in front of Congress about the Mueller report. Trump thought he got away with it, so he kept doing it. Trump thought he got away with it, so the very next day he was at it again, reaching out to a foreign power, a foreign country, to help him win an election. So, so the second instance, page three, top paragraph, quote, quote, I would like you to find out what happened with the whole situation with Ukraine, end quote. Third instance, page three, top paragraph, quote, I would like you to have the attorney general call you or your people, and I would like you to get to the bottom of it, end quote. He's talking about this flunky, William Barr, okay? Page, uh, the fourth instance, page three, top paragraph, quote, whatever you can do, it's very important that you do it if that's possible, end quote. Fifth instance, page three, bottom paragraph. Quote, Mr. Giuliani, Rudy Giuliani, who just got back from Ukraine, Rudy, while, while the House Judiciary Committee proceedings were taking place, the hearings, Rudy Giuliani was in Ukraine, coming back from Ukraine, and this past Thursday, I think it was, he was at the White House allegedly reporting on what he found out in the Ukraine. Now, now, he has no official job in the White House. He's Donald Trump's personal attorney. He's doing the job for free. Well, wait a second. Didn't Paul Ma wasn't Paul Manafort working for free? Who was Donald Trump's campaign uh, uh, chair? Wasn't he working for free? And and it was Paul Manafort who turned over seventy five pages of polling data to Russian oligarch Konstantin Kalimnik. Paul Manafort's in prison right now. Paul Manafort was working for free. Who's paying for Rudy Giuliani to fly back and forth to Ukraine? Who? Where's who, who's paying these legal fees for Rudy Giuliani to represent Donald Trump? Do you have to keep you have to ask these because the deeper you dig into this, the more questions you have. It's like, wait a second, hold on. Paul Manafort was working for free. Paul Manafort owned Constantine Kalimnik millions of dollars. Paul Manafort's in prison. Uh, see, I think Rudy Giuliani should go visit Michael Cohen in prison. Michael Cohen was Donald Trump's attorney for 10 years. He's in prison right now. I think Rudy Giuliani should go visit Michael Cohen and have a long conversation with him. Fifth instance, page three, top, bottom paragraph. Quote, Mr. Giuliani is a highly respected man. Really? What poll did you take that said he's a highly respected man? Who did you poll? How did you come to that conclusion? He was the mayor of New York City, a great mayor, right? Define great. Because when I look up the word great in the dictionary, I see 13 definitions. Only one or two have anything to do with being good. So what do you mean by great mayor? And I would like him to call you. 
I will ask him to call along with the Attorney General. Rudy very much knows what's happening, and he is a very capable, capable guy. If you could speak to him, that would be great. That's the fifth instance. Sixth instance. All in this one call. Page four, top paragraph. Quote, there's a lot of talk about Biden's son, that Biden stopped the prosecution, and a lot of people want to find out that uh, find out about that. So whatever you can do with the attorney general will be great. End quote. That's the sixth instance. Seventh instance. Page four, top paragraph. Quote, Biden went around bragging that he stopped the prosecution. So if you can look into it, it sounds horrible to me. End quote. Eighth instance. Page four, bottom paragraph. Quote, I will have Mr. Giuliani give you a call. And I am also get, uh, going to have Attorney General Barr call and we'll get to the bottom of it. I'm sure you will figure it out, end quote. That's all in one call. That's just in what was released by the White House. That's the call that Trump said was a perfect call. Okay. All right. I would call it a perfect shakedown. Sound like a shakedown. So let's continue with this. So we have Representative Val Demings who came out uh, this past week and, and said, quote, he, uh, 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 Senator Mitch McConnell should uh, recuse himself. Now, this was a sign that partisan brinksmanship that locked the House Judiciary Committee in hours of heated debate over impeachment this week could spill into the U.S. Senate, shaping the contours of the trial expected to take place in January 2020. So the full House vote on impeachment is expected to take place this coming Wednesday, is likely to fall largely along party lines. It will uh, be the culmination of the House of Representatives three-month investigation, which featured dramatic testimony from civil servants, an anonymous whistleblower uh, from the U.S. intelligence, and uh, hundreds of uh, tweets by a uh, by Donald Trump determined to disrupt the process. We just saw we saw on Thursday he tweeted at least 123 times. This food, what, what, doesn't he have a job to do? When did, when did, when did Trump's number one job become like social media influencer? Doesn't, who, who the hell you know has time to tweet 123 times in a day unless their job is to tweet 123 times in a day? I'll wait. Doesn't he have a job to do? Isn't people around him saying, Mr. President, we have a meeting over here. Mr. President, you know, you you know, Mr. President, we got this over here. We got, you know, uh, lead water in, in uh, uh, Flint, Michigan. Uh, Mr. President, we got an infrastructure deal. This fool sat up, sat up here and tweeted 123 times in a day. This dude, what was he, uh, 74? 16, 17 year olds don't even have time to tweet 123 times in a day. Unless maybe a Saturday or Sunday. This was a Thursday. This is your president. So, the <laughs> let me just ask a question. What what do you think would have happened if President Obama tweeted 123 times in a day? What do you think Republicans would have said if he tweeted 123 times in a day? <laughs> okay, this <laughs> this is your president. <laughs> All right, so. The full House of Representatives is uh, scheduled to vote on impeachment coming up uh, this Wednesday. It's likely to fall along party lines. It will be the culmination of the House of Representatives' three-month investigation. Now, as the U.S. Senate prepares to uh, receive the impeachment articles, Senator Moscow Mitch, McConnell, uh, Mitch McConnell's comments could put additional pressure 
on moderate Republican senators who want to be seen taking the process seriously ahead of tough re-election battles next year in 2020. Now, while Donald Trump has previously said he wants to use the Senate trial to mount a robust defense by interrogating Democratic witnesses, it is not clear that there is majority support in the Senate for such a scorched earth strategy. On Friday, December 13th, Donald Trump appeared to back down slightly from his demand that the U.S. Senate call witnesses, including House Intelligence Committee Chairman Adam Schiff, House uh, Speaker Nancy Pelosi, and the anonymous U.S. intelligence official whose complaint sparked the impeachment inquiry. He, uh, Donald Trump has also said he wants the Senate to interrogate former Vice President Joe Biden and his son Hunter Biden. Donald Trump's push to have uh, Vladimir Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, investigate both men is at the heart of the abuse of power charge he now faces. Now, Senator uh, Chuck Schumer of New York uh, came out today and said that uh, Mick Mulvaney, the uh, who was on now keep in mind Mick Mulvaney acting chief of staff who held a White House press conference and said get over it this happens all the time get over it okay and Mike Pompeo they were both on that call that July 25th call so Senator Chuck Schumer said well we want them to come uh, come uh, before us and testify as witnesses and I think they should so Donald Trump uh, accused Democrats of trivializing impeachment, predicting that they would ultimately regret the decision. He said, quote, I tell you that someday there'll be a Democrat president and there'll be a Republican House and I, and I suspect they're going to remember it. Okay, he said this on Friday. Now, let's go to this clip. I know we're coming up on the break. Let's go to this clip here. This is from the 11th hour uh, uh, on MSNBC. Day 1058 of the Donald Trump regi regime. Trump explodes on, on Democrats as House Judiciary recommends impeachment. Let's go to this clip. Trump administration, and if the Democrats on the House Judiciary Committee had their way, what they voted on today would end the Trump administration. After calling an audible on an overnight recess, after 14 hours of often repetitive and tiresome and purely partisan debate during which not one vote was changed, their chairman with great solemnity wrapped up the voting today in about 10 minutes. They are sending two articles to the full house, abuse of power, obstruction of Congress. The vote was the same as it always is, party line, 23 yes, 17 no. Today is a solemn and sad day. For the third time in a little over a century and a half, the House Judiciary Committee has voted articles of impeachment against the President for abuse of power and obstruction of Congress. The House will act expeditiously. Speaking of that, here's what's ahead for the House. Tuesday morning, the Rules Committee meets to decide on the prospect for the impeachment vote. Side note, the full House is also expected to vote that day on a spending bill to sh keep uh, the government open and avoid a shutdown. On Wednesday, the full House is expected to vote on impeachment. Thursday, the House expected to vote on the remake of NAFTA. Then they leave town. They'll be in recess until January 7th of 2020. Tonight, we're getting the first real look at how some Democrats will vote in the House, specifically those elected to congressional districts that last went for Trump. 
Max Rose of New York says he will support the measure, along with Harley Rada of California. Colin Allred of Texas says he will vote yes. Connor Lamb, Pennsylvania, says he'll do the same. So will Tom O'Halloran of Arizona and Democratic Congresswoman Elaine Luria of Virginia. Over on the other side of the Capitol, the Senate is preparing to host a trial. Majority Leader Mitch McConnell assured Fox News viewers last night he's working hand-in-glove with the White House legal team. Today, he dismissed the idea that impeachment could have a negative impact on Trump's effort to stay in office. It seems like it may not play much of a role in the president's re-election campaign. NBC News has confirmed that White House counsel Pat Cipollone is expected to represent Trump during the Senate impeachment trial although this doesn't rule out the possibility of additional counsel. This week, we've learned Trump's allies in the Senate are aiming for a short trial, even as Trump is pushing for a robust defense. He was asked about that earlier today. Do you prefer a short process in the Senate or a more extended process? I can do, I'll do whatever I want. Look, there is, we did nothing wrong. So I'll do long or short. I wouldn't mind a long process. Because I'd like to see the whistleblower who's a fraud. We're dealing with a lot of corrupt people. There was nothing done wrong. To use the power of impeachment on this nonsense is an embarrassment to this country. The president's TV lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, is back in the news in addition to reportedly being under investigation by the feds for his work in Ukraine. This morning, he was at the White House, where we've confirmed he met with the president. Giuliani's just back from that corruption investigation trip to Ukraine. He had a documentary film crew with him on the trip. Interestingly, tonight, the New York Times reports, quote, last month, Mr. Giuliani told an associate that Mr. Trump had approved of his participation in the documentary when he briefed the president about it during a meeting at the Trump International Hotel in Washington. The Wall Street Journal has new reporting about Rudy's mission to Ukraine. Quote, when he returned to New York last Saturday, the president called him as his plane was still taxiing down the runway, Mr. Giuliani said. What did you get? He, uh, he said, Mr. Trump asked. More than you can imagine, Rudy replied. He is putting his findings into a 20-page report. Okay. All right. Okay. So that was from uh, uh, the eleventh hour, uh, Friday, December thirteenth, two thousand nineteen. Uh, day one thousand fifty eight. Trump explodes on Dems, as House Judiciary recommends impeachment. Okay. So check that out. That's uh, Brian Williams, MSNBC. Okay. We're coming up uh, on the break. When we come back, I want to get into what um, uh, Mitch McConnell said on Fox News. We'll get into some of these other stories. We'll talk about uh, Miss Universe, uh, those of Benny uh, Tunzi, and Black Girl Magic. Uh, we'll get to these other topics as well, okay? You listen to the African History Network show on 9, 10 a.m. The Superstation, uh, WFDF. Call the numbers 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600 is the call-in number. I'm Michael M. Hotep. We'll be back in a few minutes. All right, we've got uh, SB. We've got Toya. All right, everybody, hey, if you want to advertise with the African History Network, we have a, a very special promotion going on for a few more days. Buy one month, get one month uh, free. Buy one month, get two months free. So African-American business owners, email us at customerservice at africanhistorynetwork.com, customerservice at africanhistorynetwork.com. I'll let you know how you can advertise with the African History Network. Uh, I'm going to post the information here. 
Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation of Future Radio. Hey, I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotel. It is Sunday, December 15, 2019, and we are live. Okay, so uh, be sure to follow us on our YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotel, I-M-H-O-T-E-P. Michael M. Hotep on YouTube, also on our Facebook fan page, The African History Network, The African History Network. Also, if you'd like to stop the information, you can donate to The African History Network, paypal.me forward slash The AHN Show, paypal.me forward slash The AHN Show um, as well. It helps us to keep doing the research, stay on the air, uh, help pay the bills, etc. All of my DVD lectures are available at our website, also africanhistorynetwork.com. Uh, my, my latest DVD bundle pack is the Black Migration 1619, the 2019 bundle pack, and includes six of my uh, latest presentations. The Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History, Thursday, December 19th, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m., is celebrating Dr. Carter G. Woodson's birthday. We know Dr. Carter G. Woodson is the co-founder of the Association for the Study of African American Life and History in uh, 1915. He's the founder of Black History uh, uh, Week, African American History Week, which started out as Negro History Week in 1926. Uh, the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History welcome uh, Dr. Perro Dagbovi, uh, who's a history professor at the uh, at Michigan State University, as well as um, uh, Dr. Evelyn Brooks Higginbotham, who's the department chair in the uh, Victor S. Tom and, and, and a Victor S. Thomas professor of history and of African and African American studies at Harvard University. And she's also the president of ASALA. Okay, this is taking place at the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History, Thursday, December 19th, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m., 315 East Warren Avenue, Detroit, Michigan. This is free and open to the public. So be sure to uh, check that out. I, I'm going to try to make it there for that as well. Okay, uh, right before the break, we were talking about. Um, the articles of impeachment that were voted on by the House Judiciary Committee uh, this past Friday. Uh, there's a really good article from WashingtonPost.com. WashingtonPost.com House set for House set for historic floor vote next week after committee approves two articles of impeachment against Trump. That's from December 13, 2019. House set for historic floor vote next week after committee approves two articles of impeachment against Trump. Okay, so right before the break, I was talking about uh, Senator Mitch McConnell, and he was interviewed by Sean Hannity on Fox News this past Thursday, okay? Um, and, and, and Mitch McConnell bragged about blocking President Obama's federal judge nominations for two years, then laughed about it, okay? Let's go to, the, let's go to this clip here. retire at the end of, of this year, uh, leading into the summer, you have been very clear if the president appointed somebody, you would follow through on that nomination. Absolutely. We definitely would do that. And this paperback that we were just talking about, the president's foreword is about judges. My afterword catches up what's happened during the Trump administration on judges, because my memoir came out three years ago before the president was elected. What we've done here, the president and I together with this paperback uh, that you've shown on the screen, is to talk about how the judge project came about, how it went forward. If you were going to recall, Sean, the most important decision I've made in my entire political career was not to fill the Supreme Court vacancy when Justice Scalia passed away. That was the beginning, and now we've got an exclamation point here after three years that we thought the public would be interested in reading about. And that's why the president and I collaborated on this paperback. 
I was, I was shocked that uh, former President Obama left so many vacancies and didn't try to fill those positions. I'll Senator, tell you why. I'll tell you why. I was in charge of the uh, of what we did the last two years of the Obama administration. I give I, and I will give you full credit for that. And by the way, take a bow. All right, that was a good line. Um, okay. So now let me explain something to you, everybody. This was not a private conversation that Senator Mitch McConnell was having with Sean Hannity. This was broadcasting on Fox News. Now, this is what I was explaining to people. People don't understand how important the U.S. Senate is. There have been 170 judges that Donald Trump has gotten confirmed in the Republican-dominated U.S. Senate. Trump has nominated one-fifth of the federal judges. These are lifetime appointments. So when I hear Simple Simon-ass people talking about it doesn't matter who you vote for, elections don't have consequences, I'm like, who told you that? Where'd you get that from? No. This is why, see, this is all about the year 2043. And in 2043, White people will no longer be the majority population in this country. And you have some white people who are fearing this. This, is, this deals with a fear of the browning of America. White people have a negative birth rate in 26 states out of 50. That's not me. That's the U.S. Census Bureau. 26 states out of 50. So as we see a fear of cultural anxiety, as we see a fear that some white people, not all of them, but some white people have of a changing America, we see the Republican Party working to control the courts, the federal courts, the U.S. Supreme Court, for the next 25, 30, 35, 40 years. So Trump is nominating very young, ultra-conservative, largely white male judges, 37. 38, 39, 40 years old to be federal judges. These are lifetime appointments because they realize that they're not going to have that they realize they have a declining population. So they want to control the courts. They want to control the U.S. Supreme Court and the federal court. All these nominations are lifetime appointments. So in that clip, Sean Hannity asked Moscow Mitch McConnell if a, a vacancy opens up on the Supreme Court, we're going into an election year, or would you fill it? He said, yes, we would fill it. Well, wait a second. When Judge Scalia passed away, and if you go back and look at reports on this, within an hour of Justice Scalia dying, Mitch McConnell went on social media and said that uh, President Obama should not make a nomination, even though the Constitution calls for it, should not make a nomination. We should leave it up to voters because we're going into an election year. Well, now we're going into election year. He was asked the very same question, same scenario. This traitor said that they would fill the nomination. Well, that's not what you said to the black man when he was president. You said we should leave it up to the voters. To, to, to you, said, you said that we should leave it up to voters. It's too close to the election. We're going into election year, and we should let the voters choose the next president. So when we, when we look at the federal judges, what happened was Democrats lost control of the U.S. Senate in the 2014 midterm election. Republicans gained control of the Senate. So 
President Obama's nominations to the federal bench got blocked in the Senate by Mitch McConnell and Republicans. So there were about 103 federal bench vacancies that were open when Trump became president because Republicans blocked President Obama's nominations those last two years. Not only that, when President Obama did nominate uh, Judge Merrick Garland to be Supreme Court, to be, uh, to, uh, be confirmed for Supreme Court justice, Republicans in the Senate, led by Moscow Mitch McConnell, did not give him a hearing. They did not give him a hearing. Most of the Republicans didn't even meet with them. They did not have a hearing to give an up or down vote. They just left it out there for a year, and then that nomination expires after a year. So, Moscow, so Mitch McConnell, cue that up again. I'm going to play that again. I want the people to hear this clip. This is why this traitor needs to be voted out of office. And this is one of Donald Trump's chief henchmen, okay, who in no vote, no bill can come up for vote in the U.S. Senate without Moscow Mitch McConnell's approval. No debate on the bill can take place in the U.S. Senate without Moscow Mitch McConnell's approval. So when I hear people who just focus on the presidency and don't focus on Congress, the House of Representatives and U.S. Senate, I have to ask the question, have you ever read the U.S. Constitution? Do you understand the Article I powers of Congress? Do you understand that the U.S. Senate confirms not just federal judges, not just Supreme Court justice, but the Attorney General, like this trade of Attorney General you got right now, William Barr. It, 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 and then the previous Attorney General, Jefferson Beauregard Sessions III, who was the former U.S. Senator from Alabama, who cheered the gutting of the Voting Rights Act. But not only that, when Jeff Sessions became Attorney General, what did he do? He backed off of the investigations into the patterns and practices of police departments that happened under the Obama administration. There were a, a 24 to 25 investigations from the Department of Justice into the patterns and practices of police departments, which led to 14 or 15 consent decrees. They haven't had any under this uh, uh, Trump administration because they're taking a hands-off approach to policing. You think elections don't have consequences? When... Um, when uh, Jeff Sessions became Attorney General, he tried to back out of the consent decree that the Obama administration entered into with the Baltimore Police Department and the Chicago Police Department. A federal judge would not allow that to happen. When Attorney General Jefferson Beauregard Sessions III became Attorney General, he backed out of the lawsuit that they had against the, uh, the the Department of Justice had against the state of Texas when when it, uh, when it came to voting rights because this directly impacted African Americans so they backed out of that as well you go through along the line the, another thing that uh, Jeff Sessions did was he reversed the 2013 uh, policy that uh, Attorney General Eric Holder put in place called Smart on Crime and Smart on Crime dealt with not charging low-level nonviolent drug offenders with the longest, harshest sentences. Jeff Sessions is against criminal justice reform. Jeff Sessions is, he, he referred to that policy as soft on crime. So what did he do? He reversed it. You go through department by department, 
by department, whether it's Department of Education, whether it's Environmental Protection Agency, whether it's it's a Department of Justice, you see all these policies from the Obama administration being reversed to our detriment. Let's go to this clip again. I want, I want you to hear what Moscow Mitch McConnell said. The issue has come up. Let's say somebody were to retire at the end of, of this year, uh, leading into the summer. You have been very clear. If the president appointed somebody, you would follow through on that nomination. Absolutely. We definitely would do that. And this paperback that we were just talking about, the president's foreword is about judges. My afterword catches up what's happened during the Trump administration on judges because my memoir came out three years ago before the president was elected. What we've done here, the president and I together with this paperback uh, that you've shown on the screen, is to talk about how the judge project came about, how it went forward. If you recall, Sean, the most important decision I've made in my entire political career was not to fill the Supreme Court vacancy when Justice Scalia passed away. Oh, pause pause the it right there. Pause it right there. He said the most important decision he made in his miserable career is not to fill President Obama's nomination to the U.S. Supreme Court. You think elections don't have consequences? Because they understand, Republicans understand that this is a fight for the courts. We don't understand anything like that. When, when, uh, so during the 2016 presidential campaign, I was doing nationally syndicated radio five days a week on the Apartment Radio Network and doing radio here in Detroit on 910 AM Superstation two days a week. I watched over a hundred campaign speeches and interviews that Donald Trump did during 2016. I saw dozens and dozens of interviews with Donald Trump supporters. One after another, they said, this is about the Supreme Court. They said, this vote is about the Supreme Court. This vote is about the federal courts. There were, there were Republicans who early on didn't support Trump, but they said, this is about the Supreme Court. This is about the federal court. This is about the federal bench. The average African-American doesn't understand anything about this. They're thinking 25, 30, 35, 40 years ahead. We're thinking first of the month to the end of the month, first of the month to the end of the month. I understand trying to survive day to day, but we got to understand how politics is the legal distribution of scarce wealth, power, and resources, and the writing of laws, statutes, ordinances, amendments, and treaties, their adoption, interpretation, and enforcement. First thing we have to do is read the U.S. Constitution, because that's the foundation of all of this. Go to LOC.gov, Library of Congress website. Read the U.S. Constitution. Go to archives.gov. Okay? Then Google the Federalist Papers. The Federalist Papers help to explain the intent of the Constitution. Because the Federalist Papers was a group of about 80 uh, letters that the uh, signers of the, of the Constitution and the framers of it, these are letters that they wrote to various newspapers because the Constitution didn't just have to be uh, signed by the 39 signers of the Constitution, but it had to be ratified by three quarters of the state legislatures. So they're writing uh, article, they're writing letters talking about different portions of the Constitution and arguing for or against it. Why it's important, things like this. And they're sending this out to newspapers to influence the people to explain what's behind the words. That's the Federalist Papers. Most of us don't know anything about that. Then when we look at the nominations that Trump is getting, those, those names are coming from two groups. 
the Heritage Foundation and the Federalist Society. They're providing names of federal, of federal judge candidates to Donald Trump. And they're choosing these ultra-conservative young white men, many of them anti-civil rights. You think elections don't have consequences? You're out of your damn mind. Now, what I find interesting is that a lot of people talk about a black agenda. And I've talked about this before. One, a black agenda is not what candidates present to us. That's what we present to the candidates. You may have this backwards. A black, uh, uh, see, different groups, different ethnic groups, different interest groups, different organizations put together an agenda that they operate based upon and they present it to the candidates. Nobody sits back and wait for a candidate to give them a damn agenda. You're out of your mind. No, you don't understand how this works. They present an agenda. They say these are our issues. They say this is what we want. Okay, now, people say this candidate doesn't have a black agenda. That candidate doesn't have a black agenda. But you don't talk about the candidates that have an anti-black agenda. And a candidate that has an anti-black agenda is even worse than a candidate that don't have a black agenda. Because there's a difference between indifference and deliberately trying to hurt you. So the same people who talk about a black agenda, notice most of the times they don't talk about candidates that have an anti-black agenda. An uh, anti-black agenda, it don't have to say on their website anti-black agenda. All you got to do is read the policies and understand how they impact you. Donald Trump clearly has an anti-black agenda if you understand the impact of his policies. If you read the every, every September, there's a census report that comes out. We know there's an annual census that takes place, and they start the annual census. They start, they start counting in April of 2020. Oh, by the way, census.gov, they're hiring 500,000 people to do the census in 2020. They're hiring 500,000 people to do the census in 2020. So if you got somebody that's living in your basement, somebody sleeping on your couch that needs a job, okay, have them go to census.gov. Okay, and apply for one of these jobs. 500,000 jobs uh, to do the census. All right? So there's a, there's a census report that comes out every 10 years. That's stipulated by the U.S. Constitution. There's an annual census report that comes out every September that deals with income and poverty. Most people don't know. Most people don't read that annual census report that comes out every September because that shows you the impact of policies. You don't have to wait for four years. You can read that every September. That shows you the impact of policies nationwide. Go to census.gov. Look, look for the annual census report dealing with income and poverty. Okay, so we just heard Mr. McConnell admit to blocking President Obama's federal nominations to the federal bench, which are lifetime appointments, as well as blocking Justice Merrick Garland. Okay, we're coming up on a break. How many minutes before the, before the break? They can go right now. Okay. Uh, when we come back, we're going to jump into these uh, other topics here, okay? 9, 10 a.m. the Superstation, the Future Radio. I'm Michael M. Hotep, the African History Network Show. We'll be back in a few minutes. All right, stand by, everybody. If you like this type of information, you can donate to the African History Network. Also, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show. Paypal.me forward slash the AHN show. Also, at our website, africanhistorynetwork.com. AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, okay?
Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910A on the Superstation of Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It's Sunday, December 15, 2019. We're live. Call in numbers 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600 is the call in number if you have a question or comment. Okay, uh, so right before the break, we were wrapping up dealing with uh, uh, articles of impeachment against Donald John Trump, okay? Got a lot more to say, but I don't have time to say it in, so I may do another broadcast later this week. I know I probably will, okay? Um, follow us on our YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotep, I-M-H-O-T-E-P. Subscribe there, turn on the notification so you know when I go live. Also, follow us on our Facebook fan page, The African History Network, The African History Network, and uh, turn on notifications also so you know when I go live as well. Okay, so last Sunday, we saw, uh, well, some of us saw, and some of us watched it, the replay, what have you, watched it online. Um, Zosa Benny Tunzi win the, the 2019 Miss Universe pageant, okay? And she is uh, from South Africa, beautiful uh, African woman. Uh, we saw that uh, th it was held at Tyler Perry Studios in Atlanta. That took place on December 8, 2019. Out of 90 contestants, Zona, Zosa, uh, Zosa Benny Tunzi took the crown for uh, Miss Universe 2019, and uh, Miss Puerto Rico, Miss Puerto Rico came in uh, as runner-up. Okay, now in 2018, South Africa's Demi Lay uh, Nail Peters uh, crowned Catriona Gray of the Philippines, and on Sunday, Gray and her uh, country returned the compliment, anointing South Africa's uh, Zosa Benny uh, Tunzi. Uh, after a spirited competition among 20 semi-finalists, okay? Uh, I want to go to this clip here. She was interviewed on uh, Good Morning America uh, the next day. Okay, let's go to this clip. Yes, she is breaking barriers and here for her first TV interview since winning the title. She's going viral for celebrating natural beauty and empowering future female leaders. Take a look. The new Miss Universe is South Africa. On Sunday, 26-year-old Josephine Tuzi of South Africa was crowned the new Miss Universe. Besting 90 women hailing from six continents. I grew up in a world where a woman who looks like me, with my kind of skin and my kind of hair, was never considered to be beautiful. They turned up some. And I think that it is time. What's up? Turn up some in here, please. Now, the activists in the fight against gender-based violence, Tunzi believes leadership is the most powerful thing we should be teaching young women today. I want children to look at me and see my face, and I want them to see their faces reflected in mine. Thank you. Her win making her the second South African to hold the title in three years and the first black woman since 2011. And I am joined now by the new Miss Universe, Zosie Tunzi. Yes. So first off, I just have to say congratulations. Thank you so much. Someone asked you, how do you feel? Also, it's everything's still sinking in. I mean, people keep calling me Miss Universe, and I keep looking away because I think I forgot that it's me. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it feels fantastic. Well, we we will never forget you. How about how about that? And in this competition, you said that it was important that that we should be 
teaching our young girls today to be leaders. Four and a half million people um, to, uh, saw that message. It went viral. Even Oprah chimed yeah. in. So well, how do you feel about you Oprah chiming I, in? I fainted for a second there because I was like, is this Oprah, Oprah? And they were like, yeah, it's the real one. But um, yeah, I feel so strongly about it. And, and it's something that we should be taught as you know, young girls and grow up into being women who really want to insert themselves in, in spaces of power and not feel shy about wanting to be powerful and, and a leader. And before the before the pageant, you tweeted that you want um, you were hoping to shatter whatever misconceptions and stereotypes people have on beauty. Yeah. Now, did you walk away from the pageant going? <laughs> yeah, I think I think we accomplished that, but I think I would have accomplished it either way just by being, you know, on that stage and, and representing um, women who look like me, and not just women who look like me, really, but women who felt that they've been misrepresented before, or haven't seen um, a different kind of beauty. You know, it could have been different body size, um, you know, different skin. Some people have freckles that they, they they're trying to embrace about themselves, and so I was hoping to change that narrative and to say, look, women are multifaceted, we're, we're not all the same. I mean, that we shouldn't be boxed into one type of beauty. And you have done it. And this is the first time in pageant history that all four major pageant titles are held by black women. Oh my God. They're really amazing. <laughs> Miss America, Miss USA, Miss Team USA, and now yeah. you. Fantastic. You know, we come from such a racially divided world. And so for us to be moving forward in, in unity and together and to say, look, these are women that have been really been celebrated in the past and now finally people, you know, are starting to see the greatness that is um, within us. And um, I'm so happy to be a part of, you know, this trio because I've been following them for a while and, and it was such a beautiful thing to watch. And you know what? I know that you in South Africa, you almost were a, um, a anchor on a morning TV show. I this morning show um, came through and I wanted to try out something new and I was like maybe I could do it and well you, yeah. you this is your chance to do it right now I'm gonna let you do it am I gonna yeah. be and you don't mind you can look right there to that camera and make and you can throw to our next segment how about that yeah and now over to you TJ <laughs> All right, so that was from Good Morning America, okay? Um, Insider.com has a really, really good article. So I read a number of articles about this, and also we saw Miss Jamaica won uh, Miss World USA, okay? Uh, so since, since, since last Sunday, or this past Monday, Miss Jamaica won Miss World USA. News1.com has a, a good article about that, also TheHill.com. Five black women hold top pageant titles for first time in history. History was made when Jamaica's Tony Ann Singh uh, was crowned this year's Miss World on Saturday, Saturday, December 14, 2019. With Singh's new title, black women now hold five top pageant titles for the first time in history. Miss Teen USA, Miss USA, Miss America, Miss Universe, and now Miss World. So uh, Tony Ann Singh from Jamaica was born in St. Thomas, uh, Jamaica. She uh, she topped runner-up uh, Miss France uh, and also uh, Miss India. Okay. Now during the pageant, uh, Tony Ann Singh, uh, 23 years old, wowed the judges and the audience by singing "I Have Nothing" by Whitney Houston, according to the BBC. At one point, pageant judge uh, Piers Morgan uh, even reportedly asked uh, uh, 
Tony Ann Singh, who studied uh, who studied women's studies and psychology at Florida State University, whether she had thought about pursuing a singing career. Uh, quote, if the door is open, I'll walk through it, she responded according to the BBC. Now, in a tweet celebrating her win on Saturday afternoon, Singh wrote, quote, to the little girl in St. Thomas, Jamaica, and all the girls around the world, please believe in yourself. Uh, she went on to say, please know that you are worthy and capable of achieving your dreams. The crown is not mine, but yours. Uh, you have purpose. Okay, so check out that article also, um, uh, newsone.com. I posted the article from newsone.com uh, yesterday on our fan page, the African History Network, and my personal page, Michael M. Hotep, I-M-H-O-T-E-P. Uh, call in number 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600 is the call in number if you have a question or comment. Now, Insider.com had a really, really good article because I read a number of them about Miss Universe. Uh, this is from December 12th, 2019. People told Miss South Africa, Zozabini Tunzi, to wear a wig for the Miss Universe pageant. She won wearing her natural hair. People told her to wear a wig, but she won wearing her natural hair. So she is the um, uh, she is the first black woman to win the Miss Universe pageant since 2011, and the first a woman to do so with natural Afro textured hair. Uh, she told uh, uh, Zosa Benny Tunzi uh, told Insider.com that many people, including her friends, told her she should wear a wig or weave for the competition. But she chose to wear her natural hair, and she has uh, been wearing her natural hair for years. And that, uh, and she says she didn't want to change herself for the pageant. She says she wanted to show that, quote, beauty does not look one certain way, end quote. It extends to more than just hair, she added. It's about accepting yourself for who you are and how different you are. I hope it, it, it just inspires women to be themselves, their authentic selves. So you have to uh, wonder whose standard of beauty were these people operating based upon that told her that she should wear uh, a weave or a wig, okay? You have to uh, uh, ask that question. Now, speaking of hair, you may have seen the hour and 15-minute uh, video I did back on December 11th. And this dealt with a new study called the Sister Study. And this study uh, dealt with the relationship between breast cancer and the usage of permanent hair dye and hair relaxers. And African American women are six times, uh, are over six times more likely to get breast cancer from using permanent hair dyes and or uh, hair relaxers, okay, the new study finds. Now, many hair products contain endocrine-disrupting compounds, endocrine-disrupting compounds, and carcinogens poten potentially relevant to breast cancer. Products used predominantly by African-American women and contain more hormonally uh, active compounds. In a national prospective cohort study, they examined the association between hair dye and chemical relaxers and straighteners you, uh, the usage of these and breast cancer risks by ethnicity. So the study is called Sister Study. And there were 46,709 women in the study. Their age ranges were 35 to 74. 
and they enrolled in the study between 2003 and 2009. And all the women in the study had a sister, at least one sister, with breast cancer. But these women, at the time they entered the study, were breast cancer free themselves. Now, uh, enrollment questionnaires uh, included the past 12 month usage of the hair products. All right. So, researchers found that women who use permanent hair dye um, or chemical straighteners were at a higher risk of developing breast cancer. The study found that permanent hair dye was. Uh, permanent hair dye usage was associated with about a 7% higher risk of developing breast cancer among white women, but a 45% uh, increased risk in developing breast cancer for African American women. About a 7% higher risk of developing breast cancer among white women, about 45% among African American women. Now, previous research in animals has found links between certain chemicals in hair dye and straighteners and cancer. But findings from other human studies on the association between hair dyes and straighteners and cancer have been inconsistent. This large prospective study provides firmer evidence of a link. Researchers analyzed data from an ongoing study from the sister study, okay? And when we look at, uh, so in the study, uh, Dr. Alexandria White was one of the people who conducted this study, okay? Um, and Dr. Alexandra, Alexandra White said, quote, the association was notably higher among black women. She's an epidemiologist and the author of the study, and she's an investigator with the National Institute of Environmental Health Sciences. And they study environmental risks, risks, uh, risk factors for breast cancer. Now, after eight years of follow-up, Dr. Alexandra White found permanent hair dye usage was associated with about a 7% higher risk of developing breast cancer among white women, whereas it was about a 45% among African-American women. Now, when we look at heavy usage of hair dye, they define heavy usage as at least once every five to eight weeks. The study showed an 8% increased risk for white women and a 60% increase for African-American women, all right? Now, when we look at, um, let's see, uh, NPR.org, National Public Radio, they have a really good article about this, and I did an hour and 15, uh, I did an hour and 15 minute uh, video this past week, so go watch that also, because I go deep into this, and I deal with endocrine disruptors, and I also deal with the uh, smallmouth bass fish in the Potomac River and, uh, uh, and rivers in other states that where you have male fish developing female eggs in this species of fish, the males are not supposed to, uh, these are not intersex fish. These are not supposed to be intersex fish. And they're saying what, they, they, they surmise that it's because of chemicals that are making their way into the river supply. And they're asking the question, what happens when humans consume these chemicals? Because these are endocrine disruptors that disrupt your, uh, the they disrupt the ability of different um, organs of the body to produce hormones. It throws off your hormonal balance. So they're asking, what happened? What what impact does this have on humans? But NPR.org has a good article: hair dyes and straighteners linked to higher cancer risk, especially for Black women. 
Okay, and this article is from December 4th, 2019. They talk about the impact of hair straighteners also. When we when we uh, when it came to chemical hair straighteners, risk did not vary by race. Okay, when it came to chemical hair straighteners, risk did not vary by rate by race. Both black and white women who used hair straighteners were about 30% more likely to develop breast cancer than those who did not use products, hair straightening products, okay? Both African-American and white women who used hair straighteners were about 30% more likely to develop breast cancer than those who did not use hair straighteners. However, African-American women are more likely to use hair straighteners than white women are. With about 75% of African-American women in the study reporting that they straighten their hair. They use chemical relaxers, use hair straighteners to straighten their hair. Dr. Alexandra White said, quote, for the chemical straighteners, one of the big concerns there is formaldehyde, which is a known carcinogen. Carcinogens are cancer-causing agents. She notes that in the early 2000s, just before the study began, Brazilian keratin treatments came on the market. Brazilian keratin treatments came on the market. This new treatment commonly called a Brazilian blowout contains formaldehyde, while earlier hair straightening treatments did not contain formaldehyde. Okay, so check out the rest of, uh, check out the rest of that article. Watch the video that I did because I go deep into this, okay? Now, News1.com, uh, going back to the uh, beauty pageants, News1.com has an article from December 14th by Aaliyah Woods. Black girl magic is sweeping major beauty pageants as Miss Jamaica wins Miss World competition as well. So we see black girl magic all over the place. So there's no reasons for brothers to stray. All right. Um, let's go to this next topic here. Uh, last week I didn't get a chance to uh, talk about the story dealing with R. Kelly. So New York Times had a big article. R. Kelly used um, R. Kelly used bribe to marry Aaliyah when she was uh, 15. Charges say uh, this is from December 5th, 2019. A persistent question has dogged R. Kelly's two-decade music career. How was he able to legally? How was he able to legally marry singer? Aaliyah in 1994 when she was only 15 years old. So on Thursday, federal prosecutors in Brooklyn, New York accused Robert Sylvester Kelly of bribing an Illinois government employee on August 30th, 1994 in order to obtain a fake uh, ID for Aaliyah according to the indictment and a person familiar with the matter. Now, the fake ID was to be used to obtain a marriage license that listed her age as 18, the person familiar with the matter said. Their marriage was later annulled. Now, the new allegation expands on an existing racketeering indictment filed in New York against Robert Kelly that accuses him of sexually exploiting underage girls and coercing them into illegal sexual activity. This year, 2019, R. Kelly, turned, uh, R. Kelly uh, 52 years old, has been criminally charged in several jurisdictions on allegations that he sexually abused minors. Aaliyah, whose full name was Aaliyah Dana Houghton, died in 2001 in a plane crash at age 22. She is identified in the new indictment only as Jane Doe No. 1. 
I wonder how many Jane Doe's there are in this indictment. In an interview this year with ABC's Good Morning America, Stephen Greenberg, R. Kelly's attorney, said his client, quote-unquote, had no idea Aaliyah was 15 when they married. Oh, really? Oh, really? Because, see, a couple days after this interview, that's when the video surfaced of R. Kelly in the studio with Aaliyah, introducing her because they're working on her first album, and he says Aaliyah's 14. So did he develop amnesia? Is that, is that your argument now? He had amnesia? Quote, my understanding is that she did not claim to be 15, and in order to get married, she had to lie about her age, end quote, uh, Attorney Greenberg said on Good Morning America. Mr. Greenberg said on Thursday that the new indictment, quote, does not appear to be materially, uh, does not appear to materially alter the landscape, end quote. Interesting. More than two decades ago, Vibe magazine reported that an Illinois marriage license for R. Kelly and Aaliyah listed her age as 18. Now, everybody in, in Detroit knew she, she was 15. We knew she wasn't 18. R, uh, 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 so, R. Kelly at the time was 27. The license was dated August 31st, 1994, the day after R. Kelly allegedly paid the bride. In the Brooklyn investigation, prosecutors have obtained marriage and annulment records for R. Kelly and Aaliyah, as well as Aaliyah's birth certificate, according to a court document filed late Thursday. Among the evidence prosecutors have collected are records from the Illinois Department of Human Services and the Illinois Secretary of State, the filing said. The new indictment did not specify which agency employed the individual who allegedly took a payoff from R. Kelly. Now, Leah was 14 when she made her first album. Age ain't nothing but a number. Imagine that. Now, when you watch, you, you, you watch Surviving R. Kelly, there's a story behind the title. Age ain't, there's a story behind that song, Age Ain't Nothing But a Number. Now, uh, Age Ain't Nothing But a Number was released in 1994 and produced by Robert Sylvester Kelly. Okay? Go read the rest of this article. This is from New York Times. This is from uh, December 5th, 2019. Okay? R. Kelly used bribe to marry Aaliyah when she was 15, charges say. All right, you're going to hear a lot more about that. Okay, now, uh, let's see. Let's go to, uh, let's see, where are we on time? All right, uh, let's go to, we dealt with the hair dyes. Let's, uh, let, me, let me go to this other article here. So I didn't get a chance to talk about this last week. Um... Almost half of all American jobs, uh, almost half of all Americans work in low-wage jobs. Almost half of all Americans work in low-wage jobs, right? So every week we hear, and almost every day it seems like, we hear Donald Trump talking about how great the economy is and the greatest economy in the history of the world and the greatest economy and the, the greatest of the GOAT economy, the greatest of all time, right? The lowest unemployment rate, 3.5%. That is true, but what he, it is the lowest unemployment rate. But what he doesn't want to talk about is how almost half of all Americans work in low-wage jobs. Almost, all, almost half of all Americans work in low-wage jobs. Almost half of U.S. workers between ages 18 and 64 are employed in low-wage jobs, the Brookings Institution uh, found. Low-wage jobs are pervasive representing between one-third to two-thirds of all jobs in the country's almost 400 metropolitan areas. Let me repeat. Now, this, this is a, a, a really good article from CBSNews.com. Low-wage jobs are pervasive, 
representing between one-third to two-thirds of all jobs in the country's almost 400 metropolitan areas. Smaller cities in the South and West tend to have the highest share, such as uh, uh, Las Cruces, New Mexico, and Jacksonville, North Carolina, where more than six in 10 workers are in low-wage jobs. This is what Trump doesn't want to talk about. So America's unemployment rate is at a half-century low, but it also has a job quality problem that affects nearly half the population. With a study finding 44% of U.S. workers are employed in low-wage jobs that pay median annual wages of $18,000. So median is a statistical measure where 50% of the population being measured is, a below, is above that point, and 50% of the population being measured is below that point. So 50% of Americans in this study um, have wages below $18,000 a year. Now, contrary to popular opinion, these workers are not teenagers or young adults just starting their careers, writes Martha Ross and Nicole Bateman of the Brookings Institution Metropolitan, Metropolitan Policy Program, which conducted the analysis. Most of the 53 million Americans working in low-wage jobs are adults in their prime working years. Let me repeat this. See, this is something Donald Trump doesn't want to talk about. Donald Trump is not advocating increasing the federal minimum wage. Now, Democrats in the House of Representatives in July of 2019 passed a bill to raise the federal minimum wage from $7.25 an hour to $15 an hour by year 2025. That's being blocked in the Senate by who? Moscow Mitch McConnell. This is why Moscow Mitch has got to go. And Democrats have to take back control of the House of Representatives because there have been 400, nearly 400 bills that Democrats have passed in the House of Representatives since January 3rd, 2019. This past week, they just passed a bill to lower prescription drug costs. Trump and Republicans are ignoring them. Read this article from Vox.com, Vox.com, V-O-X.com, November 29th, 2017. House Democrats have passed nearly 400 bills. Trump and Republicans are ignoring them. Legislative paralysis gripped Capitol Hill way before impeachment started. Okay, absolutely, absolutely correct. Uh, so they talk about how for months Donald Trump has fired off tweet, uh, uh, fired off tweet missiles, accusing House Democrats of getting nothing done in Congress and calling them do nothing Democrats. That's not true. They they've passed almost four hundred pieces of legislation since January 3rd, 2019, and when they took control of the House of Representatives, this was during Donald Trump's 35-day partial government shutdown that they had to deal with. The partial government shutdown was going on when Democrats took control of the House of Representatives. Trump may not want to look to the Republican-controlled Senate, Trump may want to look to the Republican-controlled Senate instead. Democrats in the House of Representatives have been passing bills at a rapid clip. As of November 15th, the House has passed nearly 400 bills, not including resolutions. But the House Democratic Policy and Communications Committee estimates 80% of those bills have hit a snag in the Senate where Majority Leader Moscow Mitch McConnell is prioritizing confirming judges over passing bills. This is the main thing they're doing in the U.S. Senate confirming these ultra-conservative, right-wing, very young, most of them white males, to, to federal judgeships that are lifetime appointments. 
Congress has passed just 70 bills into law this year. Granted, it still has one more year in its term, but the number pales in comparison to recent past sessions of Congress, which typically see 300 to 500 bills passed in two years. So they're meaning, they're talking, when they talk about um, Congress has, pa has passed just 70 bills into law this year, they mean it passed the House of Representatives, it passed the U.S. Senate, and was signed into law by the President. There's only been about 70 bills this year that have gone that passed the House, the Senate, and signed in the law. Republic, the Democrats in the House have passed almost 400 bills. Okay? So uh, read that article as well. Then news1.com has a good article. No, low unemployment rate contradicts the truth. No good jobs and low wages. And this deal talks about the African-American unemployment rate. African-American unemployment rate was hovering around uh, its uh, lowest levels uh, ever with November's 5.5% unemployment rate for African-Americans, okay? But then they talk about the pervasiveness of low-wage jobs as well, which Trump and Republicans don't want to address. Okay, so uh, lastly, let's go to this one here. Businessinsider.com is a really, uh, a really good piece I have not been able to get to. Every person alive today descended from a woman who lived in modern-day Botswana about 200,000 years ago, a new study finds. And this article is from uh, October 28, uh, 2019. And they show a picture of uh, someone who is Khoisan, all right? So anatomically modern humans or Homo sapiens sapiens emerged uh, from which they originated has, has remained, un but, but sorry, Anatomically modern humans or Homo sapiens sapiens emerged in Africa about 200,000 years ago, but the precise location from which they originated has remained uncertain. Now, a new study suggests modern humans' ancestral homeland um, was in modern-day Botswana, just south of the Zambezi River. Researchers narrowed in on that area using genetic analysis. This finding suggests that this finding suggests the theory that our modern human ancestors migrated out of Africa rather than evolving in different pockets around the world simultaneously. Some anthropologists are skeptical of the new findings, however. So a group of researchers say they pinpointed the ancestral homeland of all humans alive today, modern-day Botswana. In a new study published in the journal Nature, the journal Nature. Scientists analyzed mitochondria DNA, genetic information, that, that's, that's the genetic information that gets passed down the female line, mother, uh, mother to daughter, mother to daughter, okay, down, down, the, female, down the female line of, the, uh, of your side of the family. Genetic information that gets passed down the female line uh, from more than 1,200 um, people across myriad populations in Africa by examining which genes were preserved in people's DNA over time. The uh, anthropologists determined that anatomically uh, modern humans emerged in what was once a lush wastland in Botswana, uh, south of the Zambezi River. Though scientists agree that modern humans, Homo sapiens sapiens, arose in Africa around 200,000 years ago, they remain uncertain about exactly where on the continent that evolutionary milestone occurred. The new study offers a new answer to that question and also undermines the idea that our ancestors emerged in East Africa as limited 
fossil evidence suggests. The anthropologist uh, Vanessa Hayes, the senior author of the new paper, said in a press conference that the findings suggested, quote, everyone walking around today, end quote, could trace their mitochondria DNA back to this human homeland, okay? All right, so check out, uh, check out that article also from uh, businessinsider.com. Uh, there's a lot more you can read about that. Every person alive today descended from a woman who lived in modern-day Botswana about 200,000 years ago, new study finds. Let me go back to this article here from Vox.com. Okay, House Democrats have passed nearly 400 bills. Trump and Republicans are ignoring them. And they list some of the most important bills here that Democrats have passed. A lot of times people don't know about this. So they passed bills dealing with health care. House Resolution 259, Medicaid Extenders Act of 2019. They passed a bill condemning the Trump administration's legal campaign to take away Americans' health care. House Resolution 986, Protecting Americans with Pre-existing Conditions Act 2019. Uh, Strengthening Health Care and Lowering Prescription Drug uh, Cost Act, House Resolution 987. Uh, when we look at civil rights, H.R. Uh, 1, For the People Act of 2019, H.R. 5, Equality Act, H.R. 6, American Dream and Promise Act, H.R. 7, Paycheck Fairness Act, that was in March of 2019, H.R. 124, Expressing Opposition to Banning Service in the Armed Forces by Openly uh, Transgender Individuals. Well, we look at Gun Control, Bipartisan Background check, uh, Checks Act of 2019, H.R. Uh, 1, H.R. Uh, 1112, Enhanced Background Checks Act of 2019. When we look at the Environment, Climate Action Now Act, H.R. 9, H.R. 1331, Local Water Protection Act, S-47, Natural Resources Management Act, H.R. Uh, 2578, uh, National Flood Insurance Program Extension Act of 2019. When we look at Military Foreign Affairs, H.R. Uh, uh, 840, Veterans Access to Child Care Act, uh, we look at H.R. Uh, 31, uh, Caesar, uh, Syria Civilian Protection Act of uh, uh, 2019, H.R. Uh, 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 House Joint Resolution 30, disapproving uh, the president's proposal to take an action relating to the application of certain sanctions with respect to the Russian Federation, H.R. 4695, protection against conflict by Turkey, H.R. 676, NATO Support Act, uh, when we look at the Mueller report, um, House Resolution 24, uh, expressing the sense of Congress that the report of Special Counsel Mueller should be made available to the public and to Congress. So these are just a few. This has been a very productive uh, House of Representatives, but it has been an obstructionist U.S. Senate. Okay, so check this out. And also you can keep track of all these bills at govtrack.us, G-O-V. G-O-V-T-R-A-C-K dot uh, gov, govtrack.us, govtrack.us, and you can keep track of all the bills, where they are, whether in the House of Representatives, the U.S. Senate, and you can uh, filter it to find different results, and you can find which bills and the number of bills have made it through the House of Representatives, the U.S. Senate, and been signed into law. Okay, we got to get out of here. Uh, stay tuned for Pastor Mo. Thanks for tuning in to the African History Network show on 19 a.m. Superstation. Right now, it's correct wrong behaviors. Not over until we win. We're kind of forever. We'll talk to you next week. Peace.